Welcome to Lit Health. I'm Tracy Granzik, your host and senior director of the Center for Healthcare Narratives at the MedStar Institute for Quality and Safety, along with editor-in-chief of Please See Me, an online literary magazine seeking to elevate the voices and health-related stories of vulnerable populations and those who care for them. On Lit Health, we'll be lighting a fire underneath the status quo of healthcare through interviews with authors, healthcare leaders, and policymakers, all working to create a healthcare environment that is equitable and transparent and that welcomes the needs of every patient, especially our vulnerable populations, including the mentally ill, people of color, women who feel they are still at risk in our current health system, the elderly, and anyone who feels bias or the isms affect their health or quality of life. Join us to stoke the fire. We want to hear the health-related stories from our listeners on both sides of the bed rail, the courtroom, and the aisle. Today, we are so very fortunate to have with us Rosemary Gibson. Rosemary is an author and senior advisor at the Hastings Center. Her most recent work, China Rx, Exposing the Risks of America's Dependence on China for Medicine, was published in 2018 and reveals the dramatic shift in where medicines are made and the growing concerns about their quality. The book highlights the centralization of the global supply of medicines in a single country and the implications in the event of a global pandemic, natural disaster, or geopolitical event. When COVID-19 rumbled across the country and around the world, China RX was recognized as prophetic by those paying attention. As a result, Rosemary has testified before the House Energy and Commerce Health Subcommittee and the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission in 2019 and the Senate Small Business Committee in March of 2020. She has briefed the following leaders on the national security threats from U.S. dependence on China for medicines and solutions to mitigate the risk, including the Executive Branch Defense Logistics Agency, the CIA, the President's Intelligence Advisory Board, and Health and Human Services Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response Leadership Team. She has also spoken with members of Congress on a bipartisan basis She's spoken with all 50 states' emergency preparedness directors on the national security threats from U.S. dependence on China for medicines and solutions to mitigate the risk. She's also spoken with business executives for national security at the national and state chapter level. And she's spoken with multiple retired military and national security leadership groups, physicians, hospitals, and industry leaders. She's been quoted in multiple publications and global news channels regarding this threat to U.S. patients and has long been a champion of patient safety. Her book, Wall of Silence, The Untold Story of the Medical Mistakes That Kill and Injure Millions of Americans, was published in 2003. It was the first of its kind, giving patients a platform to tell their stories. She's worked at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation with Bill Moyers on the PBS documentary on our old terms and is a recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Academy of Hospice and Palliative Medicine and the American Medical Writers Association Award for her outstanding contributions to the public's interest in reporting on critical health care issues. She serves on the MedStar Institute for Quality and Patient Safety Advisory Board in Washington, D.C., was a board member of the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, and served on the ACGMA CLER Evaluation Committee to advance patient safety in teaching hospitals and other clinical learning environments. For nearly a decade, Rosemary was the editor of Perspectives at the Journal of the American Medical Association, Internal Medicine. She is a board member of the Alterum 
Institute, a nonprofit health systems research group in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm also so very fortunate to call her a colleague and a friend. So Rosemary, wow, so many accomplishments. When do you sleep? Well, uh, some days it's pretty hard, but we get through it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I know your schedule is is jam-packed and and to have you on this inaugural issue of uh, Lit Health is really special. So thanks again. You know, for as long as I've known you, you've been a champion of patients and their safety, as well as the delivery of quality health care. China Rx was published in 2018, but I know that your research began long before that. What really called you to investigate this, this topic? Tracy, I was simply looking to write another book. You know, as you know, the first book was Wall of Silence about medical mistakes and was the first one to tell the human story about what happens when things go wrong in healthcare. And so as I was looking around to write another book, I stumbled, literally stumbled on this issue that it was shocking to me that no one knew about and no one had written about. And that is, we can't make most of our medicines that are used in hospitals every day and that you go to the corner drugstore for. We depend on other countries, especially China. It was very shocking. So I thought, well, this story has to get out. Well, I was astounded when I read your book. And, and there were several things that really took me back. Um, the first was the lack of transparency in where our medications are made and, and the fact that Congress can't reveal which companies were and are skirting safety in the manufacturing process. The second thing was really how poorly the supply chain is managed and protected, including the disconnect at the pharmacy level, maybe especially the disconnect at the pharmacy level once a drug recall is issued by the FDA. What surprised you most when researching the book? Well, there were so many jaw droppers, Tracy, but your overall theme of the lack of transparency is just stunning. What was shocking is that there was a big push to outsource production by U.S. and other companies over to China in the mid-2000s and actually early 2000s. And back then, China had virtually no standards. The FDA wasn't over there inspecting manufacturing plants, which is what they do here and elsewhere to protect us, to ensure that our drugs are made properly. Everybody remembers probably when, you know, how many thousands of dogs and cats died because of contaminated pet food. It was contaminated with some industrial chemical and it caused kidney failure. And then there was the infant formula scandal. And even that, which happened around 2007 and 2008, that did not stop Western companies from outsourcing production to a country that had virtually no regulations, certainly nothing like Western standards that we have come to expect. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is really mind-blowing. I think what surprised me as well was the fact that when they were called out on it and we finally did get over there, they didn't get access to those manufacturing plants or they shut them down. It's been very difficult for the FDA to do its job to protect the public. We have these huge, long supply chains. Now the whole buzzword is supply chains because they're being disrupted and there are shortages in grocery stores and it's hard to even get a refrigerator and other appliances as, and, and so many other products. But what we're seeing now this are long supply chains, and that applies to our medicines. And we saw during the pandemic that, well, during a global pandemic, those long supply chains don't work because if they make medicines for their own population, they're going to keep them. 
they're not going to export them. And so we were in really serious trouble on a lot of drugs during COVID-19 and the surge in hospitalizations. So it's just stunning that we've allowed this to happen. Yeah. And I mean, you, you called that. I mean, two years ago in China Rx, you called that the supply chain would be affected by a, a pandemic like the one we just experienced. And you ended up speaking on multiple news channels as a result of the book. And did that surprise you? I mean, do you remember the first mainstream media request that came to you and who it was? I don't remember the first one, but things really broke open in the summer of 2019, about a year later after the China RX came out, when there was the first hearing on this topic on Capitol Hill. And that breakthrough was just stunning. There I had the chance to testify to a a commission called the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission. It was stunning. And the media frenzy after that, it just went on and on. And that's a good thing. And also good news, it's all sides of the aisle that covered it. And one of the best interviews, though, I have to tell you, was Ralph Nader, the consumer advocate who I've known through the patient safety work. He did his homework. He read China Rx. And we had an hour-long radio interview with him. But there are so many others. And it's such an honor and privilege to do that because this really is a concern that people have from all walks of life. And we've got to, we have to make sure we have the medicines that people need and that they're safe and that uh, we can get them when we need them. Absolutely. I, I mean, <laughs> when the toilet paper is unavailable on the shelf, that's one issue. I mean, that seemed like a crisis. But if you're in the hospital and you can't get the drugs that you need when you're in a critical care situation, that's a whole nother level of, uh, I mean, it's public safety. It sure is. In fact, uh, this is not commonly known, but our whole entire country was weeks away from not having sedatives that are used to help people on ventilators. Weeks away. It was last year? Was this? In- this was, yes, in 2020, around February, March. The strategic national stockpile was getting empty. And that was a wake-up call. And also a lot of hospitals were facing, you know, shortages. And we were rationing medicines last year. And the industry has euphemisms for it. But in fact, we were rationing antibiotics. I spoke to a a primary care physician who'd ordered a number of, you know, prescription drugs for her patients. And she said she couldn't, they couldn't get them. And Hospitals were running low on, you know, propofol, which is a sedative, one of the sedatives used for people on ventilators. And no wonder you have global demand spikes in how many countries and you have a limited supply and production is concentrated in a single country, namely China. You know, right before the shutdown, I was sitting around a a table with a group of great people who actually make our medicines. You know, when you go to the drugstore and you get a pill or a vial of something, I know I never really thought about where it comes from or who makes it, but if you think about it, it's like safety, patient safety. It has to be made exactly right. Every pill, every vial, every time. So I have, I've come to know and respect people who make these uh, things that we rely on. And they said we were dependent on China for about 90% of the core materials to make basic drugs used in hospitals, especially during COVID and also in the best of times. So we have a lot of good work to do, but we got to hurry up and get it done. Yeah, I, we're, we're behind. I mean, it sounds like it, after reading your book, we've been digging this hole for a long time. A lot of people have made money off of it. 
And now it's time, I think, to regroup and bring a lot of that manufacturing back here to the U.S. Well, I'm happy to say, Tracy, the first time I'm sharing this is that it news came out very recently that a company based in the U.S. in Tennessee is going to start making penicillin again, fully made here in the United States, which is, it was shocking to me and to so many others. I said this in my testimonies and talks and to the media that we can't make penicillin anymore. We can't make aspirin anymore. We can't even make vitamin C and so many other vitamins. That's how bad it's gotten. But um, there's good people. Some of them are waking up. And this just came out this week that a company will be making penicillin here in the United States. And we've got to keep it going. And I have to say with all humility that I have no doubt that that's a direct outgrowth of the work that China RX has been doing uh, for these years and the message it's gotten out there. That's exciting. I can't wait to do more research and figure out who that company is because I applaud them. Um, I know that generic medications are, you know, one reason we, we ended up here is because they're not as profitable as the brand name drugs. And I, I applaud that company for taking on the public responsibility. And it really is a, a national security issue where we can't keep our people safe and, and healthy and at home. That's right. Absolutely. So, I, I, you know, it's funny because I know you had the opportunity to speak before these groups within the executive branch of our government and, and Congress. And it sounds like they were listening to you as an aspiring writer myself. How did you think your book went viral in a sense? Yeah, there was a moment in time where it was truly rewarding. Uh, members of Congress were saying that they uh, had read the book. Someone in the executive branch at an assistant secretary level said he gave a copy of the book to a uh, prominent senator. A senior staffer for another senator also read it and actually wrote a review on Amazon because it's people understand that this doesn't make sense. And this was all before COVID. It doesn't make sense that we can't even make aspirin or vitamins and we're dependent on another country thousands and thousands of miles away, whatever country it is. But we also know that, you know, China has threatened to withhold medicines from the U.S. And so that creates a whole national security issue. So it's really very, very heartening. And I'm also really heartened, uh, Tracy, that people in industry have been reading the book. And I'm aware that companies have made different decisions about and better decisions about their supply chain because of it. So that's the importance of truth telling. That's the importance of being open and honest and being transparent. And uh, it forces some people who are awake to want to change. Then there are others that just want to maintain the status quo because, as you said, it's very profitable to buy cheap from China and sell at a higher price here. And I'm talking mostly about the generic drugs, which are most of the medicines everybody takes. Yeah, I really think that your book, and you mentioned it, you know, it's, it's the truth telling. It's the putting the problem out there so that we can solve it. I mean, we can't solve problems that we don't know about. And that's what you've done so well in all your books. I mean, you mentioned Wall of Silence at the beginning. And Wall of Silence was one of the first books that, that pointed out that we were harming patients in alarming numbers, you know, without that deep dive research and the, and the storytelling that you do so well, you know, putting a face to the problem. It stays hidden. Okay, it sure does. And just to point on that, Tracy, as you know, China Rx opens up with a story. The story of a Johns Hopkins trained physician. He lived in Arizona with his family. He walked into the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona late one night. And long story short, he got a blood thinner 
that was contaminated with a lethal contaminant. And within 24 hours of admission, he was in multiple organ failure. He had to have his heart taken out and he died a terrible death three months later. And the FDA traced this contaminant back to China. And it was done deliberately for economic reasons because the cheap alternative was much cheaper than the authentic product. Yeah. And that was the heparin, right, that he received? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. One of the poignant scenes from that story was him realizing that it was contaminated medication and talking to his wife and saying, make sure you go after the people who did this. Yeah, he knew as news reports began coming out. And I believe doctors, since he was a physician, knew something was wrong. They confided in him and it was horrific. And there were hundreds and hundreds of other Americans who died. And the other thing is, it's like medical mistakes, uh, Tracy, and patient safety. We don't count them, so we don't really know. And I suspect the number is substantially higher of people being harmed by poor quality medicines and those that aren't made to our standards. Well, it toothpaste. I mean, even the, the products that are over the counter, like you said, who, who would um, be counting toothpaste as a cause of harm? You wouldn't think that because we don't even know where our toothpaste is really made. Well, recently with the COVID-19 hand sanitizers, there were thousands and thousands of companies that wanted to sell this PPE and other products to the U.S. And the FDA can't manage that. They can't handle an onslaught of companies. And it turns out there was methane in some of these hand sanitizers and people were blinded. They became sick. It was a poison control centers had huge increase in the number of calls. It was shocking. So the over the counter market is really the Wild West. And it's very, very troubling. It's incredibly troubling. And if I was listening to this on some random news station or I would think, oh, my gosh, these conspiracy theorists. <laughs> and the, the issue, the, the truth of the matter is, is that you have researched this book. It's footnoted. You've interviewed people. I mean, it's you. I know you and your work for the last, I don't know how long we've known each other now, 15 years. I mean, there are footnotes in the, in the probably what the last, I'm looking at it right here. There's 900 footnotes. Yeah. Okay. And nobody has refuted <laughs> anything. Yeah. And you know, actually what's happening now, Tracy, is a major medical journal, the Journal of Heart and Lung Transplantation, they published a study where they had tested a generic drug that people who are going in to have open heart surgery, they would leave the hospital, go to their retail pharmacy, you know, get refills of their prescriptions that they were taking in the hospital. And the cardiologists at one particular facility were noticing that their patients were not doing well. And in fact, some of them died when they thought it just didn't, didn't make sense. And so they had, they collected the prescription drugs that the patients got from the retail pharmacies and had them tested. And two of them were not dissolving properly in the body. So they were getting too much, say, at one point and not enough later on. So they weren't getting protected throughout the duration of the dose. So we're seeing this now being published in the medical literature. And also some companies have started testing uh, generic drugs. And there's a group up in New Haven called Valisher. They're an online pharmacy and they test everything before they sell it. And they found that more than 10% of what they tested doesn't meet basic standards. Yeah, that is another case 
that just validates, you know, why every time you go to the pharmacy, I mean, you have to ask questions. You really do. You have to be an engaged patient. And it's, it's hard to be a patient, a lawyer, a physician, you know, all the things that we feel like we have to, to be for ourselves to keep ourselves safe in the healthcare system. So it's nice that we're looking at this and taking a hard look at it and trying to make sure that some good solutions are put in place. I think circling back to all the people that you've had an audience with, your chapter four, these drugs can reach anyone, including the president, really hits home that, you know, none of us are safe if our supply chain is being mismanaged to the point that we don't know what we're taking. That's you know, what is actually in the medications. So kudos to you for working so hard to do this. I mean, how have you been continuing to work to change policy as, as a result of all this? Well, I've continued writing on this topic, Tracy, and give updates. I'm on social media. People can follow me on Twitter at Rosemary100. And some things, you know, things are changing, things are evolving, some good things, some other things not so good. Uh, and is to keep the honesty out there and to keep this right on the front burner. And what's great about it is some domestic companies have come forward who want to make products here in the right way, in an ethical way. And so we have to support them. So I'm part of a group, bipartisan group that's doing just that, informing members of Congress that there are people here. These are not the big multinationals. These are homegrown companies that have tremendous skill, capability, agility, and an energy and innovation in manufacturing to want to uh, solve this big problem, at least be part of the solution. And that is really, really exciting. I was hoping we could have more consumer advocacy, but as you know, that takes a lot of effort. It takes, you know, resources and someone to fund it. But uh, that may happen uh, down the road. And I hope it does. Because you're right, we're all in the same boat, whether you're rich or poor. uh, When you go into that hospital, we all get the same products and same drugs that we're betting our lives that they were made correctly. Again, these are the generics and they have to be made according to specification. So um, this is an equal opportunity issue. Affects Democrats, Republicans, everything in between and beyond. It's fixable. It's absolutely fixable. Your research just validated things that people have known about and let happen. And that's what blows me away. I mean, a lot of those people have probably retired and have votes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But those are the people who probably now are going on a high blood pressure medication made in the very subpar manufacturing plants that they helped set up. Karma is real. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think people don't understand the magnitude of the problem. I think they see I think they see a way to profit and they forget about the downstream consequences of a short term gain. That's exactly right, Tracy. In fact, there's a gentleman I interviewed who worked in the industry for many, many years, including in Asia. And he wrote a review of China RX on Amazon. And he said, I didn't realize how far down the rabbit hole we are on this. And so you're right. People are going about doing their jobs every day. They're making decisions that appear to be rational for their own companies and their performance bonuses, an incentive comp depends on them doing outsourcing and finding the cheapest, cheapest product. 
And what ShineRx did was take a step back and say, hey, exactly what you said. What have we created here? We've created a monster. And I, I, you know, it's interesting, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking we're becoming every day more and more a global society. And we are going to truly be global partners. We all have to have the same commitment to quality, to safety in the products we put out into the world. I mean, I, I really don't think China was making two different lines of generic medications. Were they one for them and one for the rest of the world? I've heard that there are some countries that do do that. They have some for that they keep at home and some for export. I can't verify that, but I have heard that. Yeah. And I thought I read that somewhere too, but I mean, I guess that makes sense. Like if you go into a Dick's Sporting Goods or a TJ Maxx, there's a, a clothing line that's made for Dick's and a clothing line that's made for TJ Maxx or vice versa, or a Neiman Marcus or, a, you know, there's, there's definitely different levels of quality of the same brand. So I guess that would make sense that they're doing that for medication. Well, I think what uh, we have to really watch very carefully is, you know, the strength of the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, which is in charge of assuring the quality and safety of the medicines that are sold uh, here in the United States. And I'm very concerned about it's losing its ability to do its function, regulatory functions of inspecting these manufacturing plants. So if we have a plant here in the U.S., they'll spend maybe three weeks with a fine-tooth comb, but in other countries like China, they may spend just a couple days. So I'm really concerned about what I see as the diminishing role of the FDA because they set the global standard. The world looked to the FDA. And now what we're talking about it's being proposed uh, in Washington is doing inspections of manufacturing plants by Zoom. Oh boy. It's like inspecting an airplane crash site, NTSB. It doesn't work. So I'm seeing the watering down of our standards. And when that happens, the world standards go down. How do we raise the standard? You know, I think that's the question. I think that's what you're trying to do. And it, it really starts with the individual, right? It does. And I also think it starts with groups like there's a not great nonprofit group called Civica Rx. They were formed by a consortium of about 1,400 hospitals here in the U.S. And they're using their procurement dollars to buy quality generic drugs for their patients. And they're setting a whole new bar on transparency, Tracy, on where it's made. And these folks actually go in and inspect the plants themselves. They just don't rely on FDA. Full transparency on, on for their customers on what it costs to make these products. And in about three years, they've already supplied close to 60 different essential generic drugs to these member hospitals. So it's fixable and it comes from transparency. And they're raising the bar on quality and getting rid of the notion, well, dr drug shortages are inevitable. They're not. They don't have to be. That's for sure. Um, when there's high margins, those drugs are readily available. <laughs> oh, and you know, what's, and I also blame U.S. companies that, that purchase, they scour the world looking for the cheapest possible generic drug. Like if you and I were going to buy a t-shirt at a local mall and we wanted to, the cheapest price that we went to another store just to get it five cents cheaper. That's what big fortune 10 and 20 companies are doing. And so we have to put the onus on them. They're buying, in some cases, uh, drugs that have received FDA warning letters citing manufacturing problems. And they might be sold for a buck. A quick story, um, true story. 
So there was a gentleman in the industry who was taking a blood pressure medicine and he went to refill his prescription for 90 days and it was $157.50. And he said, guess how much the manufacturer would be paid? I said, maybe $20. He said, no, a dollar. A dollar for a 90-day supply of medicines to prevent heart attack and strokes. And that was the generic version. Yes. And eventually, if you hammer down on price and the cost too much, this is sort of the opposite extreme of the huge big pharma prices at the other end of the spectrum is these companies that will cut corners because they know the big buyers in the U.S., they want cheap. And places like China, even India, are more than willing to supply cheap stuff. But we're paying a big price for that. So what can patients and healthcare professionals do to protect themselves? Uh, The first thing is, if you're taking a generic or, you know, family member or friends, and it doesn't seem to be working the same way that it used to, it could be because the pharmacy has switched manufacturers, same drug, but different generic manufacturer. And if it's not working and you don't feel right, you have to tell your doctor and go back to the pharmacy, get another prescription, or give this one, say, I want a different manufacturer. This is a true story of what happened to a, a patient at a very prominent hospital. She was taking a blood pressure medicine and her blood pressure soared. And when she went back and got talked to her doctor, she got a different manufacturer. And within a couple of days, her blood pressure normalized. And they're going to have that drug that was made in China tested. Second thing you can do is ask the pharmacist, where's it made? Or call them up and take a picture of the box with your phone. And a lot of times they won't know, but you have to start asking and start looking. And if you see a U.S.-based company, that's probably better. But oftentimes the country of origin isn't on the box. And that was deliberate. I, I asked an industry person, how come you don't have country of origin on the box? You know, like we do for some, you know, lots of food products. And she said, well, the industry probably thought their customers wouldn't be too happy if they knew where their drugs were being made. So we have to go and we have to ask and raise awareness of this. And um, that's the first step to making change, becoming aware. Agreed. Agreed. And I, um, I think they're on to the fact that people have been asking more and more. I know similarly related to your solution at the pharmacy level is engaging them from the start and, and letting them know that if the manufacturer is changing on a prescription, you want to know ahead of time. I, I think, you know, pharmacists, good ones, understand this issue. And if they don't, ask for a different pharmacist, just like you would want a, a physician who, you know, you felt was really looking out for you. Find a good pharmacy, find a good pharmacy partner who understands that all generic meds are not equal. That's a great point, uh, Tracy. I never hadn't thought of that. Find a a pharmacist who you can talk to about these issues because the good ones know that there's a problem. And I've met a lot of good pharmacists. There was one I met who was, she was uh, uh, preparing a chemotherapy for a patient and she noticed there was something odd about it. There was something floating in it. Regrettably, we can't assume that things are the way they are. But engaging with a partner who's alert, who's aware of this, you're absolutely right. You'll do much better uh, with a pharmacist and pharmacy who's attuned to this. So true. Well, I'm going to encourage people to follow you on Twitter because we'll be able to definitely stay abreast of what you're up to and kind of the breaking news in this area. 
Well, what is your next project that you're working on? Well, I'm still working on China RX. And by the way, I hope people will take a look at the book China RX. We donate proceeds to good causes and it's written so my mother could read it. <laughs> it's perfectly understandable and engaging, I'm told. So my job now is to help begin to fix this. And we have made a lot of progress, but boy, we have so much work to do and we have to get moving quickly. So I'm still writing pieces, still speaking, and basically holding whatever change is happening to be in the right direction and good for patients and good for all of us. Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Again, the book is China Rx by Rosemary Gibson. It's exposing the risks of America's dependence on China for medicine. Thank you so much, Rosemary. Thank you, Tracy. Great to be with you.